Hello and welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we, even on Thanksgiving or the weekend of Thanksgiving, talk about Blizzard and its many games. I'm Matt, I'm the host, and with me this week is my fantastic co-host, Ann Stickney. You play D&D for Thanksgiving. Yeah, it wasn't really Thanksgiving. We call it Appsgiving now. That's what we call it because we don't like do the whole turkey stuffing, blah, blah, blah. We just get a bunch of like frozen appetizers that are probably terrible for you but it's okay because it's just one day out of the year right so we just get a bunch of those and then we just like make taquitos and and mini corn dogs and mozzarella sticks and stuff all day and snack on those and play dungeons and dragons my sister did a wonderful one-shot campaign this year like it had beginning middle end had the perfect number of encounters they ramped up in difficulty we almost died a few times it worked out really great i was very happy with it also, cool. she has way more, way more equipment than she did last year. She brought a table to put on our table so she could put her map there and we could like have, store our stuff under the table. And yeah, it was just really great. I had a great time. Cool. <laughs> uh, okay. It's, it's been a really, really slow news week, guys. Uh, I guess we're just going to holiday. Yeah, yeah, it's um... it's a holiday week. Here's the thing, guys. It's a holiday week in the U.S. Um, Blizzard, I think most everybody was gone by like Wednesday afternoon and they didn't really have anything that I would call any major new re- news releases at the beginning of the week or anything like that. Um, I think people are still going to be out for like, I think it's like a three, four, five day weekend, something like that. Uh, you're not going to see much in the way of news. So we don't have a lot of news to talk about. So this is going to be kind of more of a relaxer. It's the Black Friday episode, everybody. Everything's Yay! on sale. Everybody bought all the news already, so there's nothing left. So we're just going to do emails and call it good. <laughs> I think that's how this is just going to work today. Anyway, yeah, go yeah. ahead, Rossi. I'm sorry. It, it, no, it's fine. If you guys have an email for the show, uh, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch, so we know it's for the show. Uh, or you can basically go to our Discord server. There's a channel called uh, Patron Discord, Patron Q and Podcast Questions, and you can leave a question in there. It helps to tell us it's for the podcast there as well. Um, but yeah, that's that's how you can do it, and that's it. So go ahead and read one of them. Let's, okay. let's get going on <laughs> emails. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Why am I in a hurry? There's no reason. To hurry. No, there's no reason to hurry. It's a very leisurely show today. We're leisuring, guys. Uh, first email is from Zergak, who's a troll shaman from Turalion, who says, Hello, Miss Stickney and Mr. Rossi. With the announcement that we players are headed to the Shadowlands in WoW's next expansion, it got me thinking, are the Shadowlands a realm specifically for the deceased denizens of Azeroth? Or do the dead from other worlds, for instance, Dran or, or Argus, pass into the Shadowlands for judgment too? Keep up the good work. Regards, Zergak. P.S. I'm glad Mr. Rossi finally got to go to BlizzCon. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. I'm with, are you going to answer it, or am I? You can go ahead and answer it. Okay. Uh, I I know that there's they basically said that the there's there's like quests on Draenor and Outland that kind of hint at a realm of the dead, at least. Whether it's considered the Shadowlands or not, or if the Shadowlands are specifically Azeroth's realm of the dead, I can't answer. But I know there's at least one quest in. Uh, with the with the um, Arakoa, and I think this quest goes back to uh, to the Burning Crusade that de- very heavily implies that there's a realm of the dead, and that's where people are supposed to normally go. I feel like they mentioned at BlizzCon too that like people that were on Argus that like died on Argus or whatever, they're stuck in the Maw. Yeah, maybe I don't know because I I thought the yeah I thought that's when they they said that it all got broken. There's certainly definitely hints towards that end, uh-huh. but I don't know. I, I honestly, this is something that we're going to have to find out. I know, speaking of this, Anne had talked to Steve Denuser about people that died on um, alternate Draenor. Yeah, because I asked, yeah. I was like, is is Velen going to be in the Shadowlands or is he not going to be in the Shadowlands? Because we saw one version of Velen die, but the other one is certainly alive, hopefully on a nice holiday after all of everything that went down with Argus. The man deserves one. Um, how old is he now? 25,000 years at the uh, least. And, and yeah, it, go fishing, Valen. Just take a fishing vacation or something, whatever it is that Trenai like to do. Retired Trenai. Just retire. I mean, lead your people or whatever, but take it easy. Um, 
I'm going to assume that this is why we didn't see any flying ships like, you know, blasting the horde from the air, this expansion, which, by the way, I mean, there's a ship there, guys. Why didn't we ever use the ship during Battle for Azeroth? Why didn't we use the spaceship? We had a spaceship. Why did we never use the spaceship? Look, don't, we, don't want, we don't want to get, like, we don't want to be public about this, but the gun doesn't work anymore. We used uh, it up when we blew up. Oh, yeah, our, that's true. We did. I don't know if that's we... actually... We, blew we, open we gates, took a very so. big shot, went pew, and blew open the door to Antorus. So maybe that's when it was like yeah. out of commission or whatever at that point. Because we could have just flown it into Antorus and blown up people or something, right? Maybe. If, if we theory. can use it that many times, one would expect. But yeah, I don't. I'm, my thoughts on the subject of whether or not I I think that even if we do have people from other worlds in the Shadowlands, yeah, and even if they're in the Shadowlands we go to. It doesn't necessarily mean they'd be the ones from that alternate Draenor, because that was a different timeline. And so it might have this its, is true. Own, its own Shadowlands and whatever. I don't know. They did. <sighs> I, there was mention that there's kind of like an ethereal type race in there that does like... And when they mentioned that, I went, oh, okay. So we are dealing with something that, you know, crosses different reality or different worlds. It's not just... Because the thing is... The, were the ethereals though didn't they they just said they were similar to them they in were terms similar of their role. similar to them in terms of their role but the thing is is they made it pretty clear that the shadowlands the shadowlands were there before azeroth was there yeah and that, so that's it's like not I, just azeroth but the the ones we're going to might be like because well, that's the thing it, the, the worlds we're going to they in definitely the plains. have a feeling of yeah. Yeah, because they sa they said that there was like millions, you know, there were countless planes within the Shadowlands, and maybe each plane is designated to a different world or whatever. And the ones that we're going to are the ones that are specifically designated to Azeroth. But we're talking about something that, like, from a cosmic standpoint, the Shadowlands are huge, and they've been there before Azeroth. They were there before Azeroth existed. They will be there after Azeroth is gone, presumably. I mean, we're talking about life and death. It's the same thing with the Emerald Dream. What we see with the Emerald Dream is maybe Azeroth's version of it, but the implication here is that the Emerald Dream is way, way, way more massive than we thought. It wasn't something that Freya just made up on the spot. It was something that existed, and maybe she fashioned it to work with Azeroth, and that's a possibility, or maybe she opened a door to it specifically you know for what? Azeroth. This is making me think about the uh, the concept of the elemental planes. Yeah, I know, right? And that up up till now we've been told that the various elemental planes were made by the Titanforged. Yeah. By specifically Rodan and and Freya, but yeah. it's like maybe what they made are specific pockets within those. Like they fashioned planes. pockets of it. Maybe she learned it yeah. from Freya. Maybe Helia did. Know, the Helia is the one that made the elemental planes that yeah. we were used to imprison the various elemental lords. We know there's elementals on other planets. Why wouldn't they also go to the elemental planes? And why wouldn't they have their own elemental planes? Like, the ones in Outland don't seem to, to know anything or care anything about the one that Ragnaros goes to. Why would they? Maybe Draenor had its own version of the elemental planes. Well, and there was there was and... that whole there was that whole thing too, where the origin of Azeroth and the origin of Draenor are very different because Draenor was like teeming with spirit that kind of imbued all of this stuff, right? So whereas Azeroth had none because it was going inside. Yeah, the which is the, why our side. elementals were kind of a little woo woo was because they didn't they didn't have they were fighting scraps. They were yeah. the, they were all fighting over what little they could get. Right. So it, it's there's an interesting possibility that like on Draenor, there's just the elementals just have their own world that's part of Draenor. But it's also possible that there's an elemental plane out there that isn't separated out into, you know, here's this prison for this fire elemental and this this prison for this earth elemental. Maybe there's just like it's, Draenor just here has a is big, the uh, afterlife for the elementals. This is where they go to when they quote unquote die. Until they, they resurge yeah. and come yeah, back and again. It's, it's actually very similar to the way Ardenweald think, works, if you think about it. Oh, yeah. The elementals get destroyed, they leave, they go back to the elemental plane, and eventually their energy is returned to Azeroth. Yeah. Maybe that's what happens, that's what the Shadowlands, the Ardenweald is for the Shadowlands. There's, there's a lot of this that is definitely making it feel bigger than it felt before. 
Like yeah. when the element when when you heard, when you knew of just the El- Emerald Dream was just created by them, the uh, El- the elemental planes were just created by them. It feels smaller than these are places where they went to shape areas to their liking, and that's really much more like the Titans are like because the Titans don't make any worlds either. No, they, they shape just set them. things to order. So it would make sense that they tried to do the same thing to other planes of existence, setting and things to order. Inter- yeah, that's interesting to me from the perspective of. What are these places? We, we the problem. They are cosmic interior designers. That's what the Titans <laughs> are. Give them a show hey, on hey, HGTV. The feng, the feng Shui of Azeroth is completely messed up. Yeah. But no, seriously though, there's an interesting idea. That whole concept of what is this place now? What was it intended to be? That I find it's it's an it's an interesting d- direction change. Yeah. I had forgotten that they'd made AQ twenty slash ten into an outdoor zone just on the world. That's yeah. completely unrelated, but I'm flying through it now and it screwed me up. Anyway, <laughs> back to the actual question. I think, have we answered this question? I, I think so. I mean, they asked, they wanted to know if the Shadowlands were specifically for Azeroth or for the other worlds as well. I think that they're for everybody. And I think that where we are going is probably going to be more Azeroth specific, Maybe. But yeah, we don't would, know would, a whole lot about We know about as much as you guys do, really, on the subject. Right now, yeah. So we're kind of, like, theorizing, really. So don't take anything that we're saying as, like, 100% gospel or anything, because we're, we're kind of eyeballing it the same way you guys are. I do know that they mentioned, though, at BlizzCon that the Shadowlands did predate Azeroth. So, okay. Um, next email is from Skull Hamster, who I really hope is, is a gnome, but it doesn't say. I just think that that's a great name for a gnome. Anyway, uh, they say, hey, Anna Rossi, sometimes you talk about having raided together, and I'm curious, what faction and classes were you playing? Were you healers, DPS, tanks, or what? What do you most prefer to do in a raid? Thanks for the show. I've been listening since the old days, Skull Hamster. Oh, boy. Uh, well, we can't what name names. What classes were yeah. we playing? I mean, I, okay, I will say that when I first started raiding way back in the day, and we're talking in vanilla, I first started raiding with a shadow priest and then I went holy and I was a priest until Burning Crusade came out and that's when I made a rogue and I've been playing a rogue in raids ever since Um, because I I was a forsaken shadow priest because I was told that those were ridiculously OP to level and after leveling a night elf druid from 1 to 60 and enduring that kind of torture um, I wanted something that was completely OP and I wanted something that was just going to be a breeze and a blast and fun to play and uh, I had another friend who said raid guilds are always looking for priests so you should play a priest um, and you should apply for a raid guild when you hit 60 and I hadn't even like considered the thought of that but the person that I was talking to and I didn't know this at the time was the alt for the top tier horde raid guild on the server and this was on a PVE server so when I hit level 60 they said you should absolutely put in an application to our guild because I know you and I can vouch for you and everything I'm like okay so I put in an application to the guild and that evening I was staring Ragnaros in the face with nothing but a 15 fire resist on the wand, the blue wand that I was carrying. And I died a lot, you guys. <laughs> I died so much. <laughs> but I played that character right up until AQ40 when the guild disbanded. And then I didn't do any raiding for a while until Burning Crusade came out. And when Burning Crusade came out, suddenly I realized there was nobody there to tell me that I couldn't play a rogue because they had too many rogues. So I played a rogue because I've been wanting to play a rogue since like day one of the game. But I kept being told, no, we already have too many rogues. You should play something else. So, yeah. Um, And when Rossi and I started raiding together, well, you, I think, I think you came in because we were looking for tanks and you were looking for a guild. Well, the weird part was you didn't need me as a tank. No. We just needed warriors. That was the thing. We needed warriors. Um. I had I, I basically raided I raided in, in Vanilla and BC and Wrath on the same character. Like I, the, the same original warrior I rolled way back in the day. And I was still and playing And if you him. think Rossi was playing anything but a warrior during all of this, I don't... There's something wrong yeah. with you. Of course he was playing I don't know a warrior. It, <laughs> it was the same guy. Like, yeah. I remember 
I was playing this guy all the way through um, vanilla, I, all the way through up into Nax. I played yeah. him when we started raiding in BC. I played him all the way through up to Sunwell. And then in Wrath, I joined a guild that was actually my first guild. They had moved servers. I had moved servers, but I was back in there now. And I raided up till, like, you know, we were doing, we were working on, her, on like, Heroic Lich King 25. And the guild was just like, we're all going to go horde and move to this other, this other server. And I was like, I don't want to go to that other server. And so I was out of guild and I was telling Anne, yeah, my guild just decided they're going to all go to this new server. And I was like, I don't really want to It was like a PVP server. server or something, wasn't it? Yeah, there was, I, I don't even remember for sure, but I think it was a PVP server. And she was like, well, we're looking for people. Why don't you apply over here? And I was like, well, I, I'm doing this guild with these people here. I'm kind of leading it and I feel bad, but they were terrible. And they were making me have like, I was having pocket strokes every raid um, because I, I'm I'm good at a lot of things, but but I'm not good at being calm. Like when I'm doing something stressful in WoW, I stop talking, and everyone's yeah. like, you know, because I'm busy focusing on it. I'm not like talkative, and like so I was silent for all these raids because with my microphone off, what I was doing was screaming variants on pirate ghosts continuously, and so I, I was like, fine, I'll app, and I spoke to the guildmaster of the guild that that I ended up joining. That was Anne's guild at the time. And he was really weirdly calm. Oh, so calm. Yeah. All, and so I was like, all right, fine. You know, he never sure. got mad. He just got disappointed. Yeah. So I, I, I switched over. I turned it. I went Torin. I believe I was a Torin warrior. Yep. And there were quite a few raids where like literally the, the raid was Anne and her on her motorcycle and me on a Torin. She was on a in blood the sidecar. In the yeah, sidecar. giant torn in this tiny little sidecar looking ridiculous because I was like, oh, I, I don't uh, – can someone, like, get me to the raid? I have to do this stuff before raid. And uh, from, like, I think we did the end – we were doing um, the fight with Omnitron in it because that's when I learned that every Black fight Wing with Descent. Omnitron. Yeah. yeah we, we, we did Blackwing Descent and the other one, um, Bastion of Twilight. No, Firelands after. Cause I, oh, yeah, I think, right. No, we did Bastion yeah. of Twilight together. I, that's when I joined, and then like the week, like two weeks after Firelands opened, Firelands is where we really raided together, and that was we were both DPS, and we were both every week complaining about shoulders. Yeah, because the only shoulders were the ones for your tier set. They didn't. What seem is to it with you and shoulders? Really, I don't know, but I just remember every week, week in week out, we killed Major Domus Staghelm, and, and never first, it, yeah, no shoulders ever. Uh, finally, I got the shoulders uh, just before before like we were doing rag, and rag was the fight where I started to realize I'm going to end up tanking for this guild. Yep, because because the tanks were burning out so hard. They really <laughs> like, were. They were, just, they were losing tanks constantly. I think a lot of it was too like I, I think the tanks had like a tank channel that they were talking in that we weren't privy to, but I imagine that there was discussions going on in the tank channel. The, about what was going on and maybe that was sort of burning them out a little bit i imagine the guild leader may have been burning them out a little bit i don't know um, yeah but whatever happened uh we went through that we got into dragon soul <sighs> and we actually had fun in dragon soul some as dps because that, yeah. that raid was ridiculous uh, there I was so much aoe <laughs> we were doing ultraxian and it was just crazy like just ultraxian was great because we could pull in like so many and the thing is is like i could cloak so like i would cloak things and yeah it was just fantastic uh, that that but, i loved that fight because it was stand there and beat this thing and that's what i'm best at when i'm <laughs> when you're a melee dps and all you have to do is just stand there and hit a thing. Oh, you do great on the numbers. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the the best part about Ultraxian was it was also the point where I realized I need to start getting tank gear. Yeah. Because all the tanks were like on the on like a thread. They were like completely losing it. We had one paladin tank who just stopped showing up. The healer just stopped showing up. And uh so they're like letting me collect, collect tank Supposedly gear. Supposedly like he was, you know, busy and i'm air quoting here like he had a new job or there was something going on but really i mean the guy was just burnt out yeah we, we all knew it everyone knew what was going on yeah but uh, the funny part was like i remember the point where i collected enough gear at that point that i put together a tanking set yeah kind of on the slide like i hadn't even really said i was doing it mm -hmm. and uh one night just we all were there and there weren't any tanks and i i, I think the fight in question was the boat because that didn't really need it that was many yeah it was the boat because you only needed two for that 
And uh, so we're doing the boat, and he's like, oh, Rossi, go ahead and do it. Uh, he didn't call me Rossi. Nobody called me Rossi. I even called me my character name. And um, I'm doing it, and suddenly, like, I, I heard some person going, who's the new tank we got? And I was like, why? It's like, wow, he, he's much better than me. He's so good. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, uh, I ta- I, I've been tanking in this game since vanilla. I, I know how to tank every fight. I, I've been watching you guys do this. In I fact, told I've... the guild leader that you could tank, but you didn't want to tank. And he was yeah. like, okay. And then when he said he needed to have you tank, I was like, uh-oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, and it was it's actually not that hard. It was like, no, no this is fine. So we we kicked into like we were we were doing boat, then we did um spine spine of deathwing. Spine of deathwing was the fight where I basically showed people, okay, this is actually what I do. So I'm gonna not talk. You're not gonna hear from me. No more occasional bad jokes, guy. I'm gonna literally be a guy who says nothing the, the entire fight. He like, was why? Oh, so yeah. dead silent throughout that fight, unless yeah, he needed I, like. A, a life grip or something he would say this, grip. this yeah this was this was me yeah okay i need a life grip then nothing for like 10 minutes yeah life and, grip <laughs> and, me and, in the background. and everybody else would be listening to the guild leader the raid leader he was also the guild leader he did both and, and he would be like okay pull this thing da, da, da. okay everybody on the little tendon whatever thingy you know he would be telling us directing us what to do he's like the plate's about to plop everybody get ready get in position and that man when we finally killed that thing oh my gosh yeah we were we were like it was the first time it was the first time that i could hear our gm smile in his voice like you could hear him smiling. Yeah, he had he was emotion. very happy. He had emotion. It was very. He was very proud of all of us. <laughs> it was a really. It was in a that cataclysm had a lot of problems. Yeah, I'm not saying it didn't, but the rating was amazing. Like especially the raid was fantastic. Know, could, we had so much fun. And uh, I think for us, Mister Pandaria was when that guild died, and I think that's when both of us decided to slow down on raiding. I yeah, I got back in with another guild. I did. I, yeah, I took a break too. for a while, and then I jumped back in with another guild and went all the way through to um, Siege I was of Orgrimmar. I didn't. I did what they was at the time was heroic garage. Yeah. With an alliance guild, and that yeah. was pretty much the end for me because my eyesight was starting to degrade. For me, so it I was. was like, Things were on the real life front at home. Mm-hmm. I was having yeah. less free time to dedicate to raiding. And with Warlords coming out, I didn't have the guild that I was doing Siege of Orgrimmar with. That one broke up. And after that one broke up, it was like, well, I could look for another guild or I could just take my free time and kind of retire for an expansion and take some time off and really focus on the important things, which were, you know, at that point in time, it was my father and my father's health. And when we got to the end of Warlords of Draenor, I was like, well, number one, my father's health hasn't gotten any better. Number two, and more importantly, I really like having this extra free time. So I never really got back into the hardcore rating thing. But yeah, Rossi and I, it was what, like, years we were raiding together for i'd say two years really two or three uh, not three because i think i think miss took up that last third year the year we, we yeah. tried raiding for a little bit but yeah i think we we we, we let that guild go we let uh, that get well that guild let us go that guild let everybody go that was yeah but we we weird. came back and tried to like save it without right the, yeah but right I th- i'd say it was uh the throne of thunder we were doing throne of thunder and we were like yeah no this is yeah. I think everybody realized, no, this isn't going to work. Yeah, because okay. everything kind of fell apart. It was Throne of Thunder. Yeah, it yeah. was like the first part of Throne of Thunder. No, was it? Yeah, it was. It, it was definitely Throne of Thunder. Uh, I remember because I remember we got up to the turtle. Yeah. And we managed we managed to kill the turtle. And then it was just like too hard to get people to show up every week. And it was just like, yeah, now we're done. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was when it kind of... And then um, I ended up joining another I, I think I transferred servers if I remember correctly 
Yeah, you you went servers. I went back to Alliance because I knew people on the Alliance. I flipped servers because I figured, well, if I'm not raiding, I could get more into RP. And I flipped servers to another RP server, and it turned out that they had a raid guild there that was looking for DPS. And (laughs) they really liked my gear. They thought I was geared out pretty good. They thought that I was pretty cool. So I raided with them for a while up through Siege of Orgrimmar, and then... Um, that guild kind of fell apart because everybody just got a little burnt out. Everybody was burnt out by the end of Miss of Pandaria. It was oh, yeah. the fact that there was like a year long stretch. Just, yeah, this you we were in siege for like. If we forever. were, if we had been in siege for like six months instead of a year, I think it would have been the perfect expansion. You know, I mean, it had its down points, but it would have story wise, it was really good. It moved yeah. well. Every patch came out pretty fast before that. Yeah. Um. I think you're right because I remember by the time we got like by the time we knew we actually knew that Warlords was on the horizon. Yeah. Uh, I'd been in I'd been in siege for ten months. It was a long time. And it was um, like one part yeah. of the question here that we didn't answer from Skullhamster though. He said, "What do you most prefer to do in a raid?" So I'm going to let you go first. Honestly, uh, it depends on the raid group. Uh, if there are people who are, I don't know how to explain this properly. Hold on. There are people who are like really confident and happy tanks who love to improvise. I am not that tank. I am the guy who wants oh, no. this to be perfect. Yeah. And I, I, if you do stuff, you mess around. You like, oh, I'm gonna hunter. I'm gonna dis. I'm gonna pull without telling people. Or I'm Mitch, and I'm gonna do any one of the hundred things Mitch does. I will get annoyed <laughs> because I want to do Mitch. This. Mitching does get a little. Yeah. I want to do this absolutely perfectly. I want to do it with as few mistakes as possible, and I want to do things people don't do anymore. Like, I am the corner pull guy. I love to corner pull. Nobody corner pulls anymore, whereas I love to do it. I love to throw in a a weapon or something, get everybody to run around the corner, have the CC go off while they're running, so there's a couple sheeps back there or whatever, or like, you know, a sapped mob or whatever, that those guys will be in the back, all all completely separate from everybody. It's all strategy. That's all. I, I want to do that. A lot of modern groups don't want to do that. If I'm with a group that is totally okay with me being like like I am, then I'm I prefer to tank because I'm very good at it. Um, even like years down the road now, I can still pick it up and like, oh, we need a tank for this one fight, this one night. I remember in Legion there was the the dragons. Yeah. In in the first dungeon, I'm, I want to say first raid, uh, Emerald Nightmare, and yeah. there was the dragons, and people were like, we oh we don't have a tank, we can't do it. We, we, our other tank didn't show up, and I'm like, no, I I can do it. And I literally hadn't tanked for like a year at that point and boom just picked it right up knew what to do what i will say familiar with the mechanics yeah and what i will say is are you the fastest tank in the world no no i am but are you the most thorough tank absolutely we don't wipe yeah and if we do then we figure out why we wiped and we fix it it's i mean we went and did uh what was it what was that dungeon? That was the heroic, uh, and the, the, Oh, Oh, the mythic one. Yeah. The mythic There's one. The, that was like the, the mythic battle for like siege of Boralus. Siege, siege of Boralus. I was like, it's siege of something. Um, anyway, so we did mythic siege of Boralus, um, because I needed to do it for the quest and I had never done it before. Um, and we ended up, we actually pulled in people through the group finder who also had never done it before. And we went through that place and we went through it very carefully, very methodically. Everybody was super willing to listen to what Rossi had to say. It was fantastic. We got to the end boss and we wiped, I think, like three or four times. But every time we wiped, we were like, okay, what didn't work there? All right, we're not going to do that. We're going to try this other thing. And we killed it. We got to the end. We killed it. Did it take a while? Yeah. But were we all super happy? Yeah, because we got to see these strategies in action and we got to see what these things did so that in future runs, when you're with somebody who's all go, 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 you know what you have to avoid. And that's the problem with the go, go, go strategy is that people are in there and they're so gung-ho about going really quick that if you do get a newbie and you're dragging that newbie along, that newbie has no chance to really process or learn what they're doing for future runs it's yeah i it's strange one of the reasons that i'm not down for wow classic is because that's where i learned how to tank yeah and it's a different mindset it's a very different kind of tanking because there weren't any guides when you went to molten core the only way you knew what was going on was because people in your guild would tell you because they'd done it before 
And if if they were if this was the first time you're doing something, which I went through Molten Core, I went through Blackwing Lair, I went through AQ20 and Zolgarub, I went through um, Nextramas, and in every case, we had no idea what was going on. Like occasionally no, there would there be was videos. No... Yeah, there occasionally there were videos, but the videos were usually from guilds who had already killed everything and they were very theatrical affairs and I loved watching them, but you couldn't they really they weren't they were not, strategy. They were not guides. Yeah, Nobody absolutely. shared strategy. You didn't share strategy because that was the best way to lose whatever server first race you were on. Mm -hmm. Um so for me and I want to stop so Ian can actually talk about this, but for me I prefer to tank in that situation where I'm with a group where we're all learning it together and nobody's like, well, we just, just execute this strategy I found online. If we're actually like learning it and we take the time and we just do it, then I like to tank better in, in situations where we're going to be running go, go, go. I prefer to DPS because then I don't have to think about it. You can just blindly go. Yeah. I'll just, and, and I'm actually terrible when I'm DPSing, not even necessarily terrible at numbers, because I put out respectable numbers, but I am that guy who will just whirlwind in the middle of a group and like, oh, we're trying to do CC? Well, you should have told me about that, shouldn't have you? Whirlwind. <laughs> I am that guy. So I, I remember when I switched to tanking, they were all really surprised in, in the Guild Witch Summit. They were really surprised I was good at it, because as a DPS warrior, I just broke CC and blundered around hitting everything all the time, just because that's I was mindless. So yeah, I prefer to tank as long and as the group will go along with it. I, okay, when I first started raiding, keep in mind I was a shadow priest, but I was a healer and I healed for like maybe two weeks and then they put me in heal lead because I was that good at making sure that the green bars were full. Really, that's all I was concentrating on was, ah, there are so many green bars on my screen. There were 40 green bars, you guys, and everybody had their own set of bars to pay attention to. I got assigned to the tank group like within two weeks because I didn't let anybody die, even as a shadow priest. And it was easy to do that in vanilla because it was <laughs> flash heal rank two. Anyway. <laughs> It was so stupid. It was so stupid. Healing was so stupid. Um, I ended up like about, mm, we were at, we had just gotten to the part where you went through the little gauntlet thing and the boss right after the gauntlet in Blackwing Lair. Um, <clears throat> I can't remember what his name is. The one with the, the big wormkin dude. Oh, Brood, uh, Broodlord. Broodlord. Yeah. Broodlord Lash Lair. Yeah, yeah, Broodlord Lash Lair. We got to him and we couldn't get him, couldn't get him, couldn't get him. And I finally said, okay, just for the guild so that we can beat this thing, I'm going to switch over to Holy. So I switched over to Holy and I miss Shadow a lot. But um, I did healing. I did healing all through vanilla up to like AQ40 when that guild broke up. I did a little bit of raiding with a PvP guild, but I mostly did PvP with the PvP guild. Um, I hit rank what, Centurion, I think, before. And, and that was just, I wasn't trying to hit any ranks for myself. I was mainly helping my friends in the PvP guild get their High Warlord. Because yeah, they wanted high warlord. Yeah, I was pocket healer, um, and I was a very, very good pocket healer. They really liked having me on the team. Um, as soon as I started DPSing as a rogue, that's when I was like, "Yeah, this is what I really want to be doing." I like pumping out damage. I like fast pace action. Rogue gives you both of those things, um, and I have tried DPSing on other classes. I mean, I've tried doing DPS Warrior, I've tried doing DPS Paladin, that kind of thing. None of it is quite as fast-paced and frenetic as a rogue, and I really like that whole frenetic stab, 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 you know? It's just, there's something really fun about it. There's also something really fun about DPSing in general. I like doing that. I like being the person who will go sap something or blind something. I'm the rogue that doesn't just blindly stab things. I'm the one who will sap stuff in front because that was the strategy back in the time period where I came from. You did CC. You did all of this stuff. You made sure that not everything got pulled to you. And the go, go, go wasn't really a thing back then. Because if you tried to go, go, go in a place like, oh, I don't know, Heroic Botanica, um, you weren't going to get anywhere <laughs> before everything started respawning. It was horrible. By all um, means, try to, try to go, go, go at level 70 in like heroic shadow labs no or no. oh my god shattered halls shattered halls was the worst and you couldn't 
I mean, even through the gauntlet part of things, you still wanted to CC stuff. So, I mean, for me, part of it was the DPS, but part of it was also I had a lot of fun being like that utility person who could blind something offhand if it was threatening a healer or, you know, stun something real quick if it was threatening a healer and drag it back over or, you know, um, when I, I really loved it when, um, oh my gosh, I'm trying to remember the name of the ability, Tots, Tricks of the Trade, when that came up and you could go ahead and Tots the tank. And it was like, okay, cool, the tank is going to get aggro now, and I'm not going to pull aggro, because that was a constant worry of mine was, and, and faint was like always in my rotation, because it was like, I don't want to pull threat off of the tank, and I'm really close to doing that right now. Um, you know, hit vanish, hit this. I liked having a bunch of oh, oh, oh poof buttons that were like, uh-oh, things are getting really out of hand. You know, I just, I love playing Rogue. I really do. And I loved raiding as a rogue. And I love raiding as DPS so much more than healing. Healing was great, don't get me wrong. But it was also really, really stressful. And I don't play to be stressed, if that makes sense. I think I, there's a I, certain I, mindset, that there's a certain perfectionist mindset that really yeah. likes healing. Yeah. And I get those people because I've done it enough to understand that it's there. Yeah. And one of the things people make the mistake all the time and be like, Oh, healers just want to help everyone and be like, you know, it's like, no healers like to have control over who lives and who dies. Yeah. He oh no, it is absolutely to... that. Cause we had like a healer channel when I was in vanilla and we'd be like, Hey, this, uh, this rogue is being really obnoxious today. We're just going to let that one die. Don't bother healing him. I mean, yeah, that was absolutely. a thing. That was like a thing, you guys. <laughs> we exacted revenge. We controlled like, the lives there was, of people. <laughs> there was a warrior in my in my my vanilla guild. There was a warrior who got who died constantly, and he didn't, he was good natured about it because he understood it was his fault. Yeah, he was doing dumb things, and so they let him die. And I remember when we were doing Valestraz, and there comes a point in the fight where it's like you're supposed to stop healing the tank and let him die. Yeah, essentially, he he, you know, you drop, you stop healing him. He drops threat because the other guy and he runs and he runs to, so he doesn't blow up on the raid. And for whatever reason, the healing core had gotten so fixated on keeping him alive because it was just novel to them, I guess, or something. Yeah, that when when the call came to stop healing him, they forgot to do it. Yeah. So the GM was like, "Stop healing Kataz! Stop Vail healing Kataz! Stop healing Kataz!" Veilstraws <laughs> was like a, a really. I don't think people understood exactly how healer intensive that fight was because a lot of it, everybody was all focused on the, ooh, you get the buff and you can do massive DPS and all this other stuff. No, when you were healing, oh my gosh, it was... People were up it and was, down like yo-yos. Ooh, it was tough. And, and, Even and with a full mana bar that like never burned out, yeah. it was still tough. Vanilla fights were never really raid intensive Yeah, the way they became later. No. Like it was usually like the majority of damage was on the tank unless the tank died and then it would get bad for everybody. But that fight, the damage was on everyone. And the, there was the damage problem everyone. With, the problem with that was it wasn't just that the damage was on everybody, it was also the fact that because the healers had like that full mana bar and we could heal, like we could spam heal like nobody's business, we were in danger of pulling threat like constantly. We oh, had yeah. to remember to fade. We had to remember to, you know, do what we could do to, like, minimize our threat because there was no such thing as tricks of the trade. Nope, there was nothing. There was no um, the, the hunter version. We've been talking about old school raiding for, like, 30 minutes now. I'm very yeah, sorry. We can probably move on. No, <laughs> but I, will say, I hope we answered your questions. I know I had a good time yeah. talking, so. <laughs> one, one thing before you move on, I will say yeah. this. Uh, I think in general, the, the, the role in a raid that that suits you best really does depend on who you are and there's and you, one of the things that's useful to do is to try them all because i did i tried all i tanked i dps i healed I, I did them all uh i healed on a shaman mind you i wasn't healing on a warrior because we don't we, we i have do not tried tanking but that's because i don't feel confident enough to tank i i definitely think there is a certain amount of that yeah yeah but okay that's an, that's enough because as you pointed out we just spent half an hour on it so it's all good it's all good. Like I said, today's show is kind of a, there's no news, so we're just going to chit-chat. If this is not you guys' idea of an ideal show, hey, you could go ahead and turn it off now. It's fine. Come back later. Come back next week. Maybe we'll have more stuff to talk about. Um, okay. Next email is from Leoden, who's a prop paladin on Vecklinish. Vecklinash, uh, who says, calling it now. Arthas will be in the maw because when he died, he saw only darkness. That okay. isn't really a question, but 
I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I don't really feel like you're calling much. I don't I feel like that's calling. They're going to hit the ball in that baseball game. Yeah, yeah they are. That's, that's they're going to hit that ball. We don't know where it's going to go, but they're going to hit that ball. The thing is with, with Arthas in particular, um, if you haven't listened to last, to last week's lore watch, um, go listen to last week's lore watch. Cause I posed a question there where I said, do you think Arthas is in the Maw? And if he is in the Maw, do you think that's the correct place for him to be? And we had some interesting commentary on that question about whether Arthas, not the Lich King, but Arthas was a character who was beyond redemption and deserved to be in the Maw or whether he should be in one of the other areas. Um, and I would say... I've kind of actually changed my opinion since that discussion. Yeah, though. yeah. Um, here's the thing. Yeah. Up until the point where he had his soul sucked out of him. He was trying Arthas, to do the right thing. He Now, was he off the rails? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Um, the whole burning of Stratholme, the, the calling of Stratholme, what he did to the mercenaries that served him, you know, what he what he did to his own men. Like, uh, yeah. But I don't, like, there's a difference between I'm doing these things, like, like, Gul'dan, I am nakedly doing these horribly evil things for my own benefit and for because my own Because I want everything. Yeah. 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 That's that's Goldon definitely belongs in the Maw, no question. No, absolutely. Arthas, you know, was he wrong? Oh yeah, a lot. And he really should have listened when people were trying to pull him back. But he wasn't doing these things because he, you know, he relished the suffering of others or even to get power. He was honestly of the opinion like, there was there were two things. One is he was trying to save his people, and he really did believe he would say it repeatedly. I will do anything for my people. And some of that was, you know, he'd grown up raised on tales of what he should do. So he thought, I need to be the hero. I need to save my people. I must do what must be done. And part of it was, as he went further and further on the path towards towards it, revenge became all he could think about. Like, it wasn't enough to to go after Malganus. He had to personally kill Malganus for what Malganus had done to his people, but also to him. Yeah. It became personal. And that's where he went off the rails, and that's where he'd need to get purified. I would say he belongs in Revendreth, because he See, made it about himself. He made it about his personal losses. And, and, about- and I feel like that's what I felt. That's what. I, so when you guys were like, no, he was absolutely, I was kind of like, yeah. huh. Cause, I've thought cause about it since. I, I feel like... I feel like you can't really judge Arthas for his actions as the Lich King because once he touched Frostmourne, Arthas kind of ceased to be and he turned into something else. And yeah, it had Arthas's face when it returned to Lordaeron and and killed King Menethil and, and raised the kingdom and all of that other stuff. It had Arthas's face, but I don't think that was Arthas really. Arthas wasn't all well, there. I have like a different opinion on Arthas as a Death Knight versus yeah. Arthas as the Lich King too. Yeah, Arthas as a Death Knight had Nerzul essentially puppeting him. Yeah, not to the point where he was like controlling his every move and action, but definitely giving him his marching orders, giving him enough really of a suggestion him. of things, and 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 Arthas just kind of like fell in line. Whereas Arthas, after he went up the the ice, you know, the spire, after he actually put the helmet on. It's a different being, a different being from either Nerzul when he was the Lich King, or himself before he put the helmet on. And See, I, feel I put like some I put Arthas as a there... Death Knight. I put Arthas as a Death Knight as somewhere, uh, uh, like maybe one step above the Mindless Scourge. Yeah, like he's yeah, able he's able to act and everything, but he's acting on behalf of somebody else. It's not him. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing too. Is that you get to the point where you're like. With the, Arthas as the Lich King, I'm more willing to blame him for his actions in Wrath of the Lich King than I am for his actions in all of Warcraft 3 after he picks up the sword. Before the sword, those are his actions, but we've already covered what we think of those. Um, after he picks up the sword to the end when he fights Illidan and goes up and puts the helmet on, that guy is not in control of himself, which does not excuse it exactly, but it's a mitigating factor. The Arthas we see in Wrath of the Lich King I think he is more in control. I think he, the, the stuff he's doing is what he thinks he should do. But at the same time, he, he's not hes not quite... First off, his goal is still kind of noble if you squint. Like, it's its obviously But he's evil. not Bolvar. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he doesn't... The problem that Arthas always had was that he was raised 
believing in essentially his own greatness and not that not his own greatness as a aren't you great you're so wonderful he his own greatness as you are the scion of the Menethil line. You are, you are the son paladin. of Lordaeron, destined yeah, for blah, blah, blah. You must protect your people. Yes. It is why you exist. And Arthas didn't have a really good sense of self. Like, he got into the relationship with Jaina just because he thought he should. And it wasn't until much later that they realized, after they'd broken up, that they actually had emotional connections that there were was, actually real feelings there it wasn't just yeah. them playing prince and princess yeah and it's it's the it's there's always that tension in the character that i find fascinating if we, i'm sure you've read the uh, arthas novel oh absolutely one of, one of the things i find fascinating is when he finds calia crying because yes. her father has basically said you don't get a choice you're gonna go marry a dragon that i don't know is a dragon yeah uh and she's like you know don't do this when you're king, don't do this to your children. Don't. And I think it was the first time it occurred to him. Wait a minute. I'm actually. I actually don't have any choice in my life. Like I've wanted to do this my whole life, and it just now occurred to me that it didn't matter if I wanted to do it. Or maybe the reason that I wanted to do it is because everybody was telling me that I wanted to do it. Yeah, and there's. I think to a degree too. Like there's also always fascinating the bits in that novel where, like for instance, where Varian's there, and Varian is that thing. Yeah. Varian is he's forged in fire he saw his father die he is that 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 thing that they everyone wants him to be Varian is it whereas Arthas never really gets a chance to figure out if he is it like am I actually this hero prince yeah and there's a part where like when when he tells when he gives Uther a command it's like he says you know by 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 the right and sovereignty of my crown and Uther is like you know you're not my king yet boy and I wouldn't obey that order even if you were yeah you you can see there's like that's an Arthas, insult that's a personal yeah. insult but more importantly it's Arthas had never considered it it never occurred to him that if if he decided to play the i'm the prince trump card that uther would be like i don't care and that's the thing Arthas grew up on on fairy tales he grew up on stories of what it was like to be like the the noble hero, to be the king, to be the he the grew up watching Anduin Lothar save the alliance and da 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 all mm-hmm. this other hero yeah, stories. He... And I I think I think for me the reason why I said or the reason why I was kind of like surprised that you guys said that he he deserved to be in the Maw and why I thought Revendreth was probably I didn't think that he was beyond redemption because I remember looking at the um the cleansing of Stratholme right. When, when he purged Strathholm, that wasn't a man who wanted to be doing what he was doing. That wasn't a man who was relishing in what he was doing. That no, was no, a man right. who you're was totally very right. grimly, grimly carrying out a task that he thought was the only option and was the only right thing to do. He didn't enjoy it. He didn't like it. He didn't care to be doing it. And, and he hated that he had to do it, but he was well, doing I- it because it had to be done. There's there's a really important part of Warcraft three mm-hmm. in that Arthas is by himself. Yeah. When they go to I think it's Hearthglen. Yes. And it's Hearthglen where he sees that the infected. Is it Hearthglen brain... or Darrowshire? I think it's Hearthglen, but it might be Darrowshire. I'm going to go with Hearthglen, and someone will probably chime up in the. Uh, or was it Anderhall? It was Anderhall, wasn't it? No, he was with Jane Knight Anderhall. That's where okay. they first discovered. That's where they first discovered. That's right. That okay, so then it was Darrowshire. It wasn't Hearthglen because Hearthglen was where the uh, Scarlet Crusade was at and everything. That, well, wherever he ended up, it was him by himself, and he didn't have Jane or Uther with him. And he got there, and he was like, you know, I'm here. You can't eat the grain. And they were like, oh, but we already did eat the grain. And then boom, they started turning into the undead right on top of him and his men. And there was literally nothing he could do. And they had to fight their way out. And he saw, he yeah, saw he this saw firsthand. Happen. And that's why I think when, when, when Jaina and Uther show up and they're like, well, we've got to do something. And he's like, he's already seen it. He's coming when he to says, perspective. when Jaina says, let me contact the Kirin Tor and see if we can find a solution. He says, we don't have time. And he means that because he saw how fast it happened in Darrowshire. He saw yeah. it. It was just that's another thing. boom. Yeah, that's another thing I've been thinking about. Like since we had that conversation, another reason that I I I toned it down a little bit in my thoughts. I do think that that, that taken all in all, 
the Lich King as an entity did some horrific things. That's absolutely not disputable. But the Lich King as an entity isn't any one person that's been in it. And I don't think Arthas, his his goals were never, I want to do horrible evil things because evil is fun, cackle, cackle, ha ha. Or I want to do horrible evil things so they'll make me more powerful. It was about justification. About. Yeah. Like he, he wanted to be the hero. You know, he even says, young heroes, I was once like you. And the he entirety, that. yeah, and the entirety of Wrath of the Lich King was Arthas trying to justify to us and point out to us that it, were we in the same situation, we would do the same things that he did. It wasn't evil. It wasn't him being evil for the sake of being evil. It was him trying to show Azeroth's most powerful heroes that look if you are a hero and you are in a situation like this like I am you're gonna do the same things that I did and that's kind of like to me that's why I said you know Revendress seems more like a place where he would go it it really does because because the Arthas that was there before all of this went down was he falling down a dark path yeah he was but he was falling down that dark path with what he thought were the best of intentions and those weren't turned out it wasn't turned out it wasn't and he didn't learn that lesson until it was way too late to do anything um anyway i think we have time for one more email if that's cool with you sure yeah okay uh this one is from trauma i think it's from the uh discord if i remember correctly and this one says question is blizzard retconning a lot of lore to shoehorn it into the new expansion for example in chronicle it says that when kelthazad was killed for the second time in naxxramas at the beginning of wrath of the lich king that his soul was lost to the shadowlands and that the lich king couldn't get it back but now they claim that the lich king drew his powers and is connected to the shadowlands um i'm gonna let you talk first well two things one is I think it is very dangerous when people come along and go, but it says X in Chronicle because a, yeah. uh, I think we've already established that Chronicle is written from certain points of view and it's not intended to be, with like any, a, it's not, it's not a rule book. It's with just any, a book. Yeah. With any lore compendium that you look at. And I think this is why they were kind of reticent about coming out with Chronicle to begin with with any lore compendium that you look at whatever is in that lore compendium is going to change and adjust over time this is why when i did the ultimate visual guide way back in the day um we had to come out with a revised edition we did a revised and expanded up edition a couple of years later to kind of incorporate some of the stuff that was in mr pandaria that didn't make it into the original well it was mr pandaria and um uh, warlords of draenor and we touched a little bit on Legion, but only a little bit because Legion was still like in beta at that time. And we didn't have a lot of information as far as what was going on in Legion. Um, but we released that revised and expanded edition because the lore had changed and more lore had been introduced. And it's the same kind of thing with Chronicle where, yeah, all of this stuff has been released and everything. And sure, it's like an encyclopedia for all of that lore, but that lore is still mutable and it can still be changed. As an author, you have, you kind of reserve the right to change things or, or move plot threads as you see fit. And just because there's one set of books out there that states that things are a certain way, it doesn't mean that they're going to stay that certain way forever. Plus, um, I mean, there's, there's also keep mind too. the unreliable narrator. Which I don't know if that's what you were going to say. No, um, although we, we should come back to it. But what I'm going to say okay. is quite simple. Okay. The very fact that the Lich King draws his power from the Shadowlands does not mean that Kel'Thuzad's soul couldn't be lost in the Shadowlands. Because the Lich King does not control the Shadowlands. He draws his power from it. And we see him using the Shadowlands as far back as the Death Knight starting area. In where your the Lich King, Knight, yeah. Where your Death Knight goes to the Shadowlands to get a horsey. So, yes, there's a connection, but just because you can connect to something doesn't like, you know, here's an example. I could go to Quebec right now and I have family that actually live in Quebec. Uh, I don't know them. We've never met, but I have them. I have a connection to Quebec. That doesn't mean I can just know if you're in Quebec. (laughs) It's a big place. (laughs) The Shadowlands are enormous and there's lots of dead people there. It's not surprising the Lich King couldn't just pull him back. That's the whole thing about Liches. It also doesn't mean that you're a Quebecois either. Yeah, so. exactly. I'm not. <laughs> um, the, the thing about a, a Lich is they have that, that phylactery. And we got the phylactery the first time we killed him. And then we gave it to a guy who immediately gave it back to the Lich King so he could then recall Kel'Thuzad. <laughs> yeah. 
that was our mistake. We didn't make the mistake the second time. The second time, I think we turned his phylactery into a fist weapon, and we gave it to the people who had it. If you had Calamity's Grasp, that's that's basically the hat. I the... love that fist weapon so much, and yeah. I wish I could so, transmog it. Anyway, I don't think lore. I don't think lore wise they say that, but you know, whatever. Yeah. I, but but there's that. That's it's it's a situation where he can't just recreate a lich every time he wants. A lich is bound to a phylactery. That's the whole point of them. And when you destroy the phylactery, the lich is usually gone in the Shadowlands, and you can't just pull him back. That's why you destroy the phylactery. So I don't think that that's a contradiction to say he's got a connection to the Shadowlands when you saw him using the Shadowlands. When there's another quest actually. Um, I believe it's it's in Howling Fjord, oh. where you go up and you you run into the Lich King, yeah, and he sees you and he grabs you and crushes you with his power and you die because you're going Just... back and you're viewing like the history of the of the Rykul. and his he's right there and he's like you know ha huh, shamanism I was a shaman once <laughs> and that's again he's in the Shadowlands when he does this to you so yeah he can go there and do stuff there but it doesn't mean that he's not he isn't the shadowlands so that's that was my i don't think that really actually contradicts anything i I think it's well in keeping with the game as it's already established but we should talk about the unreliable narrator really fast yeah we should because there's been so many cases of there being unreliable narrators both within and without the game itself but i mean most notably within the game we've got Two two major examples. One of them was never really acknowledged because um, Metzen said that he screwed up, but I view it as an unreliable narrator point. And that's the one where the in-game books say that Sargeras was corrupted by the Eridar, but he wasn't. And we didn't find that out until we actually met the Draenei and heard that story and went, oh, okay, well, who wrote this book? You know, whoever wrote this book was wrong. Um, and then the second and probably the most important one is with um, Loken and the what's the name of that? Oh, I I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, the, tribune, the tribunal, the tribunal of ages, I think it is. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's the one inside the Halls of Stone. And inside the Halls of Stone, guys. there's that whole history thing that Bran goes through, and it says all this stuff about what happened and everything else. And we didn't find out until much, much later that Loken made all that up, and the actual true history of that was taken elsewhere um, because he made it all up to cover up what he had done because he had done a bunch of really really terrible things and this was all of course under the influence of the old gods but at the same time it means that that history that we had been looking at as recorded history wasn't actually the recorded history and it was another case of there being an unreliable narrator well you could look at chronicle the same way you could look at if you go back to um i don't know if you ever got it rossi the world of warcraft magazine I had a couple issues. Okay. I remember I had the one with Braun in it. Big old throwback. So the, uh, the the World of Warcraft magazine had this big article thing in it where it was talking about the origins of different species, and it was as written by Bran Bronsbeard, right? Bran's not a reliable narrator, and what he told us about where these species came from and the uh, you know the ancients that they came from and all this other stuff on the one hand it could be truthful and it could be factual on the other hand who knows where he's getting his information from we don't well, and that's on he even an... say it's a speculation a few times um i think he did sometimes but the thing that you really have to keep in, in, in mind though with that is again it's it's being written as written by bran bronzebeard so Again, we're dealing with a narrator who may or may not necessarily be reliable. Sort of like uh, Wikipedia. You know, when you read stuff on Wikipedia, it could be accurate. It could maybe not be accurate. It depends on who is editing that article and how well they check their sources. You know what I mean? Um, So even when I'm going back and I'm referencing like Wowpedia for articles and things like that, I will look at Wowpedia and I will figure out where their sources were and then I will go look it up in my books because I got the books here. But even then, those books may or may not be accurate because you go back to like uh, the RPG source books. Those things have been stricken from the record as canon. They are canon-ish, as in they are not canon, but bits of them could be pulled out and made canon at some point in the future. Like, I don't know, Tandred Proudmore. He wasn't actually a character in World of Warcraft until they decided to go ahead and take him from the RPG books and make him a character. And I'm very glad that they did because I love Tandred very, very much. But 
regardless. Chronicle's kind of the same thing. We don't know what entity wrote Chronicle. Yeah, and it's it's very much a case of half the time the word retcon is used Mm -hmm. when what they mean is there wasn't anything telling us what this was, and now they've said that this thing is this. Yeah. That's not that's not When something doesn't have a definition and it's then given a definition which maybe contradicts something that we've heard before, that doesn't make it a retcon. That just makes a it a clarification, a I guess. Here, here, right here, this is a retcon. I will give you a retcon. Okay, go for it. If tomorrow we find out that Anduin Lothar was in fact Varian's father, that's that, a retcon. That's a retcon. Because it's been established that he was not. Yeah, Yeah. we know who Varian's father was. His father was Lane Rin. Yeah. Um, If they turn, like, now if they do that retcon, like, oh no, Anduin had a secret affair with Varian's mother, that would be a retcon because we've never heard anything about that before. It contradicts established lore and it changes the character. That that kind of stuff does happen, but it doesn't happen nearly as much as while is people talking about wow lord think it does usually what happens is something is is brought into the game like for instance shadowlands the whole concept of shadowlands is based on stuff that was already here it just wasn't fleshed out we knew the shadowlands existed we'd even been there a couple of times um there's a whole quest with zergos and his spirit healer girlfriend that sends you to the shadowlands a few times but it's just that first layer of the shadowlands where you just go and it looks like azeroth and you're just dead that part that's like the that's like the the antechamber that's not even like that's like the foyer of the shadowlands that's like the first place you go and then you go other places that's stuff we never heard before that's new information it's not a retcon it's not retconning anything and that's the thing you got to really be careful when you use the word retcon because like there's only been a few like the the draenei one is is a big example of one but even that isn't like the, the it red could be just it could be justified as an unreliable yeah. narrator. Yeah, it's just the, the only reason it's a retcon is ultimately Chris a, came out and said, yeah. "Oops, I forgot." Yeah, <laughs> I made a mistake, but we're going with this new lore because we think it's cool. And that's you got to be careful when you go when you go on about a retcon because you have to be sure it actually is one. A lot of the times, people use the word retcon to just mean this thing I don't like that doesn't quite go along with what I already believed. The problem is what you believed wasn't lore it was it was your fan theory or an, a neat idea and you have to be really careful about when they decide to come in later and, and bring in what they're what they want to do next that's not just because it's it's not what you thought they were going to do doesn't make it a retcon sometimes they do them but they do them rarely i can't think of that many examples um to yeah, be honest i i can't really think of that many either and a lot of these things that people say are retcons again it can be it, it can be justified as you know unreliable narrator um uh, or sometimes and, and sometimes, i prefer to I, I prefer the unreliable narrator honestly well i mean let's say one example of something that we we just have no idea what happened we we read in chronicle that the titan souls like left their bodies when they were destroyed yeah. uh, and they ran they, they basically went to the titan forge servants and that's the last we hear about them until suddenly three of them are, are Sargeras has three of them and he's looking for the fourth. He's looking for, uh, for A&R. How did he get them? It doesn't actually ever really say. Or now, I don't know what happened with um, Neptalon. Yeah. The, the Neptalon one that actually somewhat explained in the, in the shaman. No, it's all. not even explained. Yeah. He's just like, yeah, it's I got just, back. Yeah. <laughs> But the thing about that, though, is like in in both those cases, it's not a retcon. It's simply this is where they are now. And How did that happen? We yeah, don't. We don't have really that know. information. We know that Sargeras was was rampaging in Northrend when he drew in. Uh, oh God, I can't remember her name. Aegwyn. When he drew in Aegwyn and confronted her, he was rampaging around Northrend, and we know that Northrend is the location of several of the uh, world of the the Titan Souls. Yeah. That's where they yeah. were. It's quite possible that that's what he was doing there was getting them back although but you know they said no something story. about the blue dragons and da, da 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 it's like well that seems that might have been yeah he might have been cut co- that might have been just a cover or he might have decided i'm going to kill me some blue dragons while i'm at it or he might have you been know? just trying That's to lure a... edwin in so that he could do the whole thing yeah whatever was going on a lot of times these stories have these loose ends and later on when they come back if they close them great if they don't they don't it still isn't a retcon Joe pointed so, out in the chat channel that the biggest one that he can think of is the light from Warcraft 3 to Vanilla. 
well, if we want to get real technical, whatever happened to God? Yeah, because that because was a reference Warcraft, in the early, early, or early, early ones. God. And then it got switched. Yeah. yeah. And they're, that, they're like, I'd call that a retcon. <laughs> that's a pretty big retcon. Yeah. When we go from God to, no, no, it's the light. It's always been just the light. Yeah. So there, there are some. There just aren't a ton. And half the time, it's just them going, hey, we left this kind of open over here. Let's let's fill that in. For me, I enjoy looking at the story and watching what they do with it. And I don't take as much into the mechanics of it unless it's something that's really weird. Because when it's something that's really weird, sometimes that's an indication that there's some story element going on that I'm missing. Like the whole bit with Cadgar... For a while there, I was really convinced that there was something really weird going on with Cadgar, and then it turned out that there wasn't. But the fact that he got that model change and suddenly he was like younger again, or he looked younger, and he didn't have the big white beard, and like it was just kind of fishy. It looked fishy to me, so that's why I kind of latched onto that for a while. But obviously, you know, there was nothing going on with Cadgar, or maybe there is, and we just haven't found out yet. And that's we'll find Khadgar out sometime too. in the yeah. future. <laughs> I mean, Kagar has got the whole thing where he, like, at the end of Legion, he pieced out to Karazhan to read some books. And, yep. um, we haven't seen sh- him since. <laughs> Dude, uh, Invasion of Old Gods, maybe you could chime in now? Uh, you know, just thinking. But yeah. yeah so Anyway, uh, I think that's yeah. going to go ahead and wrap us up for the emails, and it's going to wrap us up for the show, too. Um, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch, and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Uh, thank you very much, Anne, and you were worried the show was going to go short. I know, right? <laughs> I had no fear that we could fill the time. We started talking uh, about old school. Wow. And that did it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you guys have emails for the show, um, please send them to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with a subject line podcast or blizzard watch. So we know for this show uh, and we're going to probably have a couple of short weeks coming up in terms of content, in terms of news, because it's the holidays coming in. So, if you get want to your have emails email, this, in because this is yeah. the best time to get them answered really <laughs> and if you don't if you don't have an email or if you just don't want to email you can hit up uh, our you know our discord server the q and podcast questions channel uh for patrons and we'll totally take them from there too um i took one to this show from there anyway uh this has been the blizzard watch podcast thank you guys so much for listening and we'll be here next week 